strangers, welcome to Iroh's Corner, a space where we agree with Uncle Iroh that sharing tea with a fascinating stranger is one of life's true delights. Today I'm joined by Sarah Smith, the co-founder and visionary behind The Dirt, the number one camping app. I had the pleasure of meeting Sarah a few years back, and she's one of those down-to-earth people that has also had so many amazing experiences. And you just want to sit and talk to her for hours about all the interesting things she's done in traveling the world and starting companies. So I'm so excited to share our conversation today. Welcome to the podcast today, Sarah. So excited to have you. Thank you, Jesse. I'm really, I'm really glad to be here. Awesome. Well, I'd love to just have you start out by telling us about the dirt and your role there right now. Sure, I, w- I would love to. So, um, the Dirt. I am one of the co-founders of the Dirt, and um, we started it back in 2013. And I, I, you know, the easiest way to think of it is Yelp or TripAdvisor for camping, mm-hmm. a way to help campers find campgrounds online before they go camping. That was the, kind of the original intent. Mm-hmm. You know, and now we have a super active online camping community with with over a million user submitted campgrounds, wow. photos, reviews, tips. Really, really excited about about what we've built and helping end the pain of trying to find a campground online. And, you know, now we're we're tracking at about 20 million visits this year. We've grown a lot. We've added a lot of new tools. So it's not only um, helping you find a campground, but also, you know, helping you plan trips and, and mm-hmm. all sorts of other new features that we've added. That's super cool. And before we get in too far, I also want to make sure that people know just kind of where to find you and any excite. I know there's some exciting new things going on. So I just want to have those at the beginning. If you can kind of tell us about the Dirt Pro and any other things you have coming up soon that you want to share with people. Yeah, yeah. Well, we um, you can find us at thedirt.com and that's with a Y, T-H-E-D-Y-R-T. We just launched the Dirt Pro last year, which offers some kind of premium features for for campers who want to get some additional tools. They're basically tools and discounts. Mm -hmm. So one of the most popular tools is Trip Planner. So, you know, let's say you're going on a camping trip to Sedona from Portland. Um, You put in your route, indicate, you know, how long you want to drive each day, want to avoid certain things, and then we'll map out a route for you, which you can then customize. It's been a really, really popular new feature that we have. We also have offline capabilities so that if you're going up to, I don't know, Mount Hood for the weekend, you know you're going to lose cell service. Mm. Download the database of campgrounds and have that at your fingertips. You get discounts from brands and campgrounds. And then we also have map boundaries. So if you're, especially out here on the West Coast, if you're out, you want to boondock or do dispersed camping, don't necessarily want to stay at a campground. We have these map layers that will overlay on on the map on the dirt and show you when you cross into that land. So then you know, okay, I can disperse camp here or, or camp where I want. So oh. it's been really fun to launch that. And we've just seen phenomenal growth in the past year as everyone wants to get out to camp more. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That is great. And yeah, we're we're really excited at Live Bar to partner with you guys this summer and for any live bar fans you'll be seeing little the dirt stickers on your live bars with a free 90-day trial to sign up for a pro account so we're super excited because we we've got lots of live bar fans that are campers and then the actual tools that you're providing are just they're so cool we have lots of uh, employees at live bar that have used them and and love them 
That's, that's awesome. That's great to hear. And yeah, we are super excited to be partnering with Live Bar and um, like 70 other companies in the outdoor space mm-hmm. to try to make camping easier for everyone. So really big push this summer to help you know, people get out there and camp and make sure they have the tools necessary and working with their favorite brands so that, you know, we're all working together to help people get outside. So yeah, we're really excited about the, the, the whole summer contests. Yeah. And your, your national partner is Eddie Bauer this year, right? Yeah. We just announced that a couple of weeks ago. So Eddie Bauer will be the, the national kind of the national partner. And just, you know, maybe people don't know exactly how it works, but so maybe I'll just take a minute to explain the camping yeah. contest on the dirt. It's a pretty fun way to get people um, interested and kind of help get this really good content on our site. So what happens is if you're a user on the site and you go camping, I don't know, in Utah and you review the campground on the dirt, you get points for um, the review, the photos, the video. And then there's a leaderboard, for example, for Utah, and you can see yourself kind of go going up and down this leaderboard, kind of competing with other campers. And at the end of the month, every every leaderboard, we judge that and we pick who the best reviewer is for that region. Mm-hmm. And then they will win a prize from the brand partner. Whoever happens to have that particular contest might be Live Bar, um, might be someone else. And then Eddie Bauer is always going to be a sponsor for each contest. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we clean the leaderboards clean. And then the next month we start fresh. So people have a lot of opportunities to participate and and win some of these great prizes from outdoor companies. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's super cool. So I'd love to hear more about the start of the dirt. You founded it out of frustration of not being able to find campsites easily online. Was there a moment where you were you realized that you know the frustration was going to become a company. Um, I love to hear the kind of the stories around you know those little moments that led up to the actual founding of the company. That yeah, that's such an interesting question because I, I am not the sort of person who ever thought I would found something like this. Um, and I know I I talk to lots of founders or people who want to start something who feel the same way. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I thought there was some definition of what you need to be to found a company, but it turns out you just need to really have a frustration and <laughs> a problem that you want to solve. And Kevin, my husband and co-founder and I were, were super big campers and we had just moved to Oregon and every week we would literally fight. And about Tuesday, I would say, Hey, have you looked for a campground to go to this weekend? And it's like, no, it's really hard. I don't know what website to use. I can't find the information I'm looking for. And we would have this fight every, you know, we camp almost every weekend in the summer. So it was just mm-hmm. constantly. Um, and, you know, then I started keeping a notebook in my car and I would write notes about what I wish I had known about the campground before I got there. Like site seven's good. Site two's next to the road. Don't don't mm-hmm. get that one. And then I, I just kept saying to Kevin, there are it's 2000, I think this is 2012. It's 2012. There, there must be an app out there for this. There has to be a better way. Mm-hmm. And finally, I just kept seeing enough and enough where I'm like, okay, you know, why don't we start looking into this? So we started looking at it, but there was a specific moment. Actually, your question made me remember this where we went to a meetup in Portland. I remember it was a rainy night, kind of in the fall after the summer of frustration and we listened to a guy speak about how he had made a business out of apps. Hmm. And they were these 
kind of these book apps that he sold and they had different genres. And I remember leaving there and walking back to the car in the rain in the dark with Kevin and saying, you know what? I think we should just do it. Let's just a hundred percent do this. Mm-hmm. And that was the specific moment where we decided to like really, really pursue it. That's so cool. I do wonder, you know, had I not seen him and I've told him this after since then, had I not seen him speak that night, if the dirt would have never come to be. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing how sometimes things just just come together like that. Yeah, just little moments. Yeah, cool. Well, what is a day in your life at the dirt look now? And I'm also curious, you know, what did it look like the first couple years? And then, you know, you've been around for a while. So what does a typical day in your life look like now at the dirt? That is such a good question. And something I've talked to other founders about, like you have to be willing to change and change what you're doing and change what your mindset is. Because it was, you know, obviously at the beginning, I, I, it was just me and a contractor. So I would write down what I thought the site should look like and I'd map it out and I would make these really crude wireframes and give them to a contractor to build. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, in the beginning, super hands-on. And then as you grow a little bit, you know, I guess we need a payroll system. I better investigate what that looks like. Oh, you know, now we need an accounting system. Mm -hmm. You know, at the beginning you do, I I always say there's not a job at the dirt I haven't done other than develop because I don't Mm -hmm. have those skills. But at some point, you know, you, you do everything. And then as you grow, it changes. And, you know, for years, it was really, I've always been more on the product side. So working with the tech team and the development team and the design team. And then Kevin is more on the sales, the CEO side. Mm-hmm. And, and every year it gets a little bit different. And now it's a lot more thinking strategically, thinking about partnerships, less, you know, in the weeds, because now I have people who are way more competent and all those things I used to do doing that. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how you have to be able to adapt and um, you think your job is one thing and then it, the next day it's something different. Mm-hmm. That flexibility is really key, like you said, for advising other founders of being able to, being willing to shift and change and have things look different, I think is is really important. And it sounds like you've adapted really well to that. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's 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 always interesting, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned you co-founded The Dirt with your husband, Kevin. Have you always worked well together? Did you have to figure out ways to work well together leading the company? I'm curious how that dynamic, you know, evolved over time. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I People ask about working with your spouse in this capacity, and it's something we've had to address a lot because of investors and what they want, you know, they want to know they're investing in something that's not going to fall apart mm-hmm. personally or professionally. For Kevin and I, we, we have such totally different skill sets and we're really very different types of people mm-hmm. that it's worked really well for us. What he can do and what he's good at, I would hate to do and I would be terrible at. And what I'm good at and what I like to do, he would not be good at. You know, my passion with the dirt has always been the product and, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm the planner in the family. So I'm the one who who tends to plan all the camping trips. So I'm the one who's frustrated and I'm the one who's like, this needs to be better. So the details in the product and making it better, that side of it is what I'm super passionate about and Mm -hmm. I'm very detail oriented. He's very, you know, he's big picture and 
sales and marketing. He's really good at all that stuff. So I think we really, we really complement each other. I think it'd be a much harder situation if you had two co-founders who had very similar skill sets. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So you also worked in education for a long time, pre the dirt, and it looks like in multiple countries. Can you tell us about living abroad and working in education and any moments that were kind of particularly defining for you for where you're at now? Um, yeah, I, so I, I studied abroad in college and that really was formative because I was from a small town in Minnesota and never really envisioned anything outside of that. So when mm-hmm. I studied abroad, that changed my perspective, ended up, you know, spending about 10 years living abroad, three years in Japan, year in India, I think about five years in England altogether. Mm -hmm. But, you know, really found my passion in international experiences. I got a master's degree in um, multicultural management, which I focused Mm -hmm. on international education. So helping mainly college age students have experiences abroad, whether they were American students going to China or when I lived in London, getting students from Europe to come to the university I worked at in London. So really just helping people experience something that's different from what they're used to. Mm -hmm. I think that is so valuable for people, especially young people to understand that, okay, this is the world I see, but this is not the world as it is for everyone. And if I better understand that I'm going to be a better person and, you know, see the world differently. So I I was really passionate about the work and I did that, you know, for decades. I worked in study abroad in international education and um, I was, I'm really proud of the work that that field does. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's important in that, in my background, in that kind of what I mentioned before, being flexible, being able to change, being able to be like, okay, this isn't what I expected. I need to do something differently. Mm -hmm. Being able to look around and kind of feel like, okay, this you know, you just have to adapt and doing a startup is kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Was there any particular like student or time where you were really inspired either early on to like keep going where you, you know, you just saw this aha moment for someone else or for you that was like, this is really why I'm, you know, working in this, this education field. Yeah, I think just, you know, it's funny. I, I spent a lot of time recruiting students to go abroad and talking to them and, and helping them understand that something they thought wasn't possible for them for whatever reason was possible and seeing mm. their eyes light up and knowing that these students thought they couldn't go because of finances or because of their academics or whatever and and helping them understand there are ways around that for the most part. And and then having them come back from these experiences, just different, more confident people, it was really rewarding. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. And on the, the international topic, I believe in that you've been over to over 40 countries total, including trekking in Nepal, summoning Mount Fuji, so many cool things. Um, I saw you reference in an outdoor project story about something about a broken arm, middle night surgery, <laughs> lost wallet, passport. Oh. I'd love to to hear that story um, developed a little bit more. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. That was crazy. Um, yeah. We, we went to Nepal. We were living in and outside of Delhi at the time. And mm-hmm. We were moving to London from India and we were like, well, let's go up to Nepal as for a week because we hadn't been there before we head over to England. 
And so we went up there and it was incredible, but we decided to do a trek on our own, no guide, just do our own little thing. We rented some sleeping bags and a backpack over in the Annapurna circuit and Mm -hmm. just Northwest Nepal. And, you know, we only, we hiked for three days and then we were like, okay, that was good. You know, we're not hardcore people or anything. So we're like, that was, gave us a taste. So we decided to head down and I literally just slipped backwards. It was nothing dramatic um, and broke my my wrist and had to hike all, you know, we had spent three days getting there and luckily we were going down. So we got down in a day, um, ended up flagging a car down on the road to go to this town called Pokhara where um, ended up having surgery. They actually put me under. I'd never been put under before. It was, it was, (laughs) it was, it was, I mean, I was kind of like, whatever, but Kevin, we weren't married at that point. was freaking out. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. And then I, yeah, lost my purse with my passport and my medication. And yeah, it was quite, it was quite a, a story, but finally got back to India and then moved to London and tried to manage the London subway system with a broken arm and between oh. the, the two of us, four big suitcases. And I'm like, why didn't we take a taxi? That would have been smart. <laughs> oh, man. How did you, did you find your passport and wallet? Or what did, what did you do about that? No, I had to get a new one. And oh, um, I, I, if I remember right, I had an, this was a few years ago, maybe 14, 15. Um, I had a, I had a visa for Nepal. I had to get a, so I had to get everything. I had to get a passport. I had to get a visa. I remember calling the U.S. Embassy crying because I'm like, I can't even dress myself right now because my arm's broken. And I, my husband or my boyfriend at the time, has to, he had to leave to go back to India to finish up his Oh, my project. gosh. So it was going to be me there alone. And uh, I ended up going into the, the place. And my interview consisted of to make sure to verify I was who I was. It was a guy who was from Wisconsin and I'm a huge Minnesota Vikings fan. So mm-hmm. we spent like 10 minutes talking about football and the Vikings. <laughs> and he's like, you're, he's like, okay, you're legitimate. Here's your passport. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It was, it was quite a, quite a story. I'd like to go back someday and experience Nepal a little bit differently. Yeah. Wow. I, I like how you said that you're not that hardcore, but yeah, you're trekking in Nepal and summoning mountains and stuff. So I, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's still, it sounds really cool. It sounds cool. Yeah. But it was, it wasn't any hardcore sort of trekking. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that would definitely um, make you prepared for, for startup life, those kind of uh, experiences. <laughs> totally. And it's like, you got to take everything with a grain of salt and just kind of keep going. Mm-hmm. Now, before the before the dirt, you also co-founded a marketing company, Hey Penny Marketing. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And then, you know, how did that help you with with the dirt? Yeah, that was so we started Hey Penny Marketing as a way to um kind of try working together, see if we could, you know, do it successfully. We had a couple clients we did marketing for. Mm-hmm. Um and it, you know, it 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 went well and we were working well together and it was it was a lot of fun and right around that time though is when we started to have the idea for the dirt so it didn't mm. last super long we um we kind of started working on the dirt soon after that which you know kind of then took everything over so it was kind mm-hmm. of a short lived thing that we did together but it was a good test for us to make sure we could we could work together 
Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Now, following the progress of the dirt, I've noticed that you've raised a few rounds of funding. And so I'm curious, kind of, did you go in knowing that you were going to raise money? And then, you know, how how have you planned for that? And what, what's the process been like to do raises as, as you go along and build the company? Yeah, we um so so we've raised a total of about twelve million dollars right now, which sounds like a lot, but it's actually for how long we've been running and mm-hmm. competitors in our space, it's really not that much money. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know anything right away, but you know, soon I realized, okay, well, this is a, a business that I'm not going to be able to make money off immediately to pay anyone, any staff, mm-hmm. or anything. So there's you know, I can see a future of it, but at the beginning of the dirt, it was all about building this community and getting this content mm-hmm. because that is what solved the problem that I was trying to solve. And there was no clear way to make money with that. Yeah. So I always tell people when they're doing a startup and they ask me about raising money, I'm like, well, don't do it if you don't have to. If you can yeah. sustain yourself, great. Yep. But there are businesses like ours where there wasn't a clear way to do that. And if we wanted to continue building, we had to come up with funding. Mm-hmm. So so that's what we did. And yeah, it's been it's been a pretty, well, I shouldn't say easy process. It's easier because we are a team, me and Kevin. So he's mm-hmm. really good at pitching and meeting the investors. I'm really kind of good at the follow-up and the detail stuff and all the paperwork. So we mm-hmm. kind of compliment. It'd be hard, hard, much harder for one person to do, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does take a lot of time away from the running of the business. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, you know, it's never that fun to go through one of those processes, but at the end, you're always glad you did. Yes. Yeah. It definitely enables that, that growth. Like you said, especially when you're starting with the most important thing is to get a big community so that you have the the people to to support the network. So you have to that's not going to make you money for a while. So that, right. that totally makes sense. Yep, exactly. How would you describe the the culture at the dirt? I'm also curious if it's shifted at all during the pandemic. Like I had the the chance to visit your office in 2019 and there were there were dogs and it was yeah. super fun and you know it was just like a really great place to be and then now here we are in a pandemic so i'm curious about culture then culture now are they the same oh totally different yeah and i would say better now honestly remotely and maybe maybe my employees would you know say something differently but i think it was super fun having an office we had a very really cool modern you know, office in in Portland with a coffee shop downstairs. It was really Mm -hmm. fun, dog friendly. But when the pandemic hit, you know, we're all like, okay, everyone work from home for two weeks, take what you need. We thought it would be two weeks. And Mm -hmm. then like, okay, well, it's going to be a little longer, you know, and eventually, obviously, we, we just never went back. And now we work fully remote, which has been I think great for so many reasons. One, we've been able to hire talented people from all over the country, which we couldn't mm-hmm. before. Yeah. Two, I think our communication is much better because it it has forced us to. So mm-hmm. we, you know, like most companies, Slack is just everything. To us. Yep. We use Slack constantly, trying to make it be fun too, though. So we have we have like a a pet channel and a you know a music channel and other things mm-hmm. on Slack to make it not just the boring work stuff. Well, not that it's boring, but you know, just work stuff. 
Um, we've also implemented, like we have weekly campfires. Right now we're having them every other week. They're our staff meeting. We call them campfires. One thing we do is one person from the team will do a five by five, which is in five minutes, they tell five things about themselves, usually in mm-hmm. five slides. So it's just a way to highlight someone who may have just started or someone who doesn't, you know, who's, who's from the marketing department, never talks to the tech department, you know, giving us a way to um, have some more interaction. Mm-hmm. We do try to do more happy hours, virtual happy hours early on. And that didn't work that well, <laughs> but you kind of need a focus other than mm-hmm. a whole 35 people staring at each other, drinking a yeah. wine doesn't work. <laughs> we, we had a virtual Christmas party where we played a white, a virtual white elephant game. Mm-hmm. And I had, one of the staff said, this was the most fun holiday party I've ever been to virtually or not. It mm-hmm. was great. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think we've adapted well. I, I think it makes things so much more efficient. I do miss seeing people. And now that things are starting to ease up, we're definitely going to start getting together more with people who are in the Portland area. So, mm-hmm. but it's been, it's been good for us. Yeah. And I know we're both familiar with the the tool Slack, but some of our listeners might not be. Can you kind of explain the tool and how you use it to communicate with the team and stay organized. You mentioned some different channels, but I'd love for you to just kind of expand on a little bit for those who might not be familiar. Yeah. So Slack is kind of this instant messaging tool that lives on your, on your desktop or your phone. And you can, you can do one-on-one messaging with people or you have channels. So some of the channels we have is like a general channel, which everyone's in and it might be in there. You're saying, Hey, I'm going to the dentist for an hour, be back. Or something like that. And then we have other channels that are integrated into our product. So um, every time someone joins the dirt, there's a site activity channel and we can watch that and watch people join the dirt, people review on the dirt. When people buy pro, we have a channel for that. Mm -hmm. So it's a good way to watch everything that's happening. We actually have a dirt dog channel. So every time a photo of a dog is uploaded into the dirt on the dirt, it goes into the Slack channel. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's everyone's favorite channel. Yeah. <laughs> then we have, you know, I on Portland channel where people post what's going on in Portland. So, you know, it's, it's a mixture of work, you know, very specific work type items um, and then kind of some fun, fun channels. Yeah. Perfect. That that's really great. And I love, yeah, that it makes sense that the dog channel would be the the most popular. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually, I should make sure it's still there. There's a secret page on the dirt, the dirt.com. I should make sure it's still there before I say this backslash dog or dog, mm-hmm. which is a whole gallery of dogs. Nice. Yeah. Okay, that's that's good to know. We'll have to, have to check that out. So as you talked about initially working with a contractor, I'm curious how, when did you realize that you needed someone full-time on the team and which roles did you hire for first in the beginning? Yeah, that's a good question. So in 2015, I did an accelerator program in Colorado um, mm. called the Telluride Venture Accelerator. So Kevin was still working a full-time job. So I went and I was, I spent, I think five, five or six months in Telluride, which was not hard to do <laughs> with four other startups. and you know, we learned how to make a business plan, how to pitch, really great networking, um, especially for the outdoor industry there in Telluride. Got mentored by a lot of great people. 
And then at the end of that program, Kevin quit his job and joined me and we started full-time fundraising to raise money so mm-hmm. we could hire someone. So the very first person we hired, and this would have been in 2015. So I had worked with contractors previously, but our first full-time employee is the person who's currently our CTO, Reed Beals. He's our first ever employee. He was a full stack developer back then. So someone who can do kind of a little bit of everything as far mm-hmm. as development, which is which is what we needed. Right. Incredible, incredible developer and human being. You know, really lucky to have him as our first ever hire. Super smart tech person who's never, you know, condescending to someone who doesn't know anything about tech, who's trying to do a tech mm-hmm. startup. So yeah, really lucky to have him. He's now our CTO and he was just such an important hire. So really, really happy about that. Yeah, that's so cool that he's still with the company. That that speaks a lot to to your culture and the the commitment to what you're building. Oh, yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, he's I wouldn't be the dirt without him. So <laughs> Yeah. I'm also I remember when I visited and with talking with your team, you guys have a really great grasp on because you're trying to help people, you know, search for campsites and learn about the dirt. You have a really good grasp on SEO and content and I remember meeting some of your team members on that. I'm curious if that was something that you and Kevin were familiar with before or you learned about and then hired people to work on because that's such a, a piece that you really have to have the right people to help implement with with blogging or whatever to make it to make it work. Yeah, um, I I didn't have a lot of experience in that area and I, I still don't, to be honest. It's definitely more Kevin's area in our marketing team, but having all... That's always been an important part, especially because we do have the Dirt Digital Magazine, which, you know, has has a lot of great content on there for mm-hmm. people. But understanding how to make sure that content is getting in front of people and not just buried and hidden mm-hmm. is, a, is a really important part of of the whole story of getting getting it out there. Yeah. How many team members uh, do you have on the, the technical side now? That's a good question. I think we're up to like 34 full-time staff and I think about 11 or 12 are tech. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have a a pretty big design team now. So yeah, support team, finance team. It's, It's pretty crazy to watch happen. Yeah. Are you still... Because I believe you guys launched a new website recently. Are you still involved in kind of the the changes to, you know, the interface or to, you know, design on the site is, is a lot of that still you behind the the vision for those? Yeah, we did. We just launched a brand new kind of brand presence last week um, with a new mm-hmm. logo and revamped our website, just released a new app to correspond with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I still have a say in in all of that, I'm not in the details as much anymore, making those minute little details. But, you know, I, I get a say in like the logo and the basic mm-hmm. outline of the website and um, make sure it's still like representing, you know, what what we want it to represent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks it looks amazing, by the way. It looks really cool. We'll definitely, you. you know, share the link with with listeners. And I love the the interface too for when you when you join and you can see the different badges and levels you're at for for reviews. It's it's just it's 
really cool, really well thought out. We were we were just going through your website at a team meeting, just kind of in awe, like, oh, this is just so cool. Look at how they did that. So <laughs> that's great. I will let the team know. Yeah, there's been a lot of work behind that and the design team yeah. protecting us. And if you if you get bored, if you go down to the footer and go to the about us page, I am so proud of this page because if you scroll down a little, you'll see kind of photos of our rangers of our users and Mm -hmm. you you can hover over them and see when they joined and you know these people are like our family we would not be the dirt without them shelly Mm -hmm. shelly on that page she's she's one of she's been with us for so long she's such an avid reviewer she is such an important part of the dirt troy on there you know a lot of these people we've met we've talked to over the years so I, I was really excited about that aspect of our About Us page, really highlighting our community right there. Yeah, that's so neat because, yeah, you mentioned being kind of like the Yelp of of camping, but there's there's such a more, there's the ratings and everything. But like you said, there's so much more to the community piece that you you recognize the people writing reviews and and people can be part of something in that community. And that's that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Have you... Have there been any campsites that you have discovered that have become, you know, new favorites for for you and Kevin through user reviews? Yes. I wouldn't say necessarily new favorites, but we have been on the road looking for a campground. And I've seen, oh my gosh, you know, Annie C reviewed this one, a a ranger, one of our rangers or legends or, you know, someone who's very active. Mm -hmm. And she said this. So that we're like, okay, well, then we're picking that one. So mm-hmm. I have had it where we have been traveling and trying to pick a campground and have seen who reviewed it and said, okay, well, I trust that. So that's where we stayed. And that is mm-hmm. a pretty cool feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That is so cool. It You solved the frustration that you had at the beginning. You can now use the tool that, that you envisioned. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's so cool. I'm curious too, you, we kind of mentioned briefly with having a, a national partner like Eddie Bauer, and then you have 70 plus other brands. What did it look like to build brand partnerships at the beginning? And then what did it look like to work on uh, such a national partnership, like with someone like Eddie Bauer? That's a, that's a massive name presence. I'm curious about some of the pieces that went into those partnerships. Yeah. You know, and we've always worked with partners in some capacity or another over the years. And it's, you know, it's always changed a little bit, but really, really enjoyed our relationships with brands and outdoor brands and having some sort of way to work together Usually it's been around the contest that we, we run and making sure the brands are getting to be one of the prizes so that more users, more campers are learning about these brands. It's, it's been really fun to see see that happen. Um, mm-hmm. We have forums on our site too. I'm not sure if you've seen that, but you can see people talking about the different brands they've discovered. So mm. it, it's really fun to work in, in collaboration with these brands. Yeah. Did you... Primarily at the beginning, was it you guys reaching out to some of your favorite brands or did you have people coming to you? I'm curious how early on you started to kind of build those partners because I feel like that's a, a critical first step that might be that might be difficult. It was extremely difficult. And we would go to outdoor retailer and mm. walk around booth to booth and try to drum up some interests and activity. 
you know, we did have the dirt digital magazine. So often that was a way to get in be like, you know, we'd love to cover you on the dirt, which, you know, we did because we like, you know, our campers to know more about what's out there. Um, but like slowly building up relationships that way, mm-hmm. you know, and that was what, six years ago starting that. So, you know, and it, it's hard at first when nobody knows who you are and mm-hmm. what you're doing. And maybe I think the first year we went out to a retailer, we didn't even have a live site yet. We were just showing designs of what was coming. Mm. So obviously it's just, it's much, much easier now. Yeah. And, you know, it's something we're really excited about helping people get out and camp more through knowing like what they need as far as like products that can help them have a better camping experience to the tools on the dirt Mm -hmm. that can help them have a better camping experience. It just, it, it, I I really like where it is right now. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It all, it all comes together. And when you look at your site, your, your partners are awesome brands in the camping world. And so for, to kind of have this one, one place experience where you're finding the sites, you're learning about the products that are going to be useful for you. And it's, I love the, it's another aspect of the community really having those, those brand partners. Yeah. Yeah. As you, what, what did it look like to go from, you know, kind of the early stages of getting reviews to then pivot to starting a program like the, like the Dirt Pro? I'm curious what that transition was like and, and, what some of the work looked like to create a pro paid program. Yeah. Well, I I would never say we pivoted because like we, one thing we're always clear about as a team is we can never forget about building the best free product that we have. Mm-hmm. And, the, and that includes this, these reviews and this content and this community. And, mm-hmm. you know, in our, in our management meetings, we're always like, you know, if we get too focused on pro, we're like, we'll bring it back. You know, what, we need all campers to love the dirt, not just those mm-hmm. who are, are paying for the premium features. Yeah. So like make sure we're maintaining the base of what the dirt is, which is this community of campers. But, you know, the dirt pro is just as a camper myself, you know, realizing what would make camping easier for me and what I would be willing to upgrade for these specific tools, these discounts on gear and campgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can, you can book on the dirt now. So we have a thousand, some campground partners where you get a discount. If you book through the dirt through part of the pro, you can get discount on gear. So it's, it's saving money through these discounts, mm-hmm. which is super valuable. And then it's these tools that I mentioned before the the trip planning tool, the offline capabilities. So if you lose phone service, you're not totally panicking about what mm-hmm. happens when the campground you went to was full which has happened to me. And it's like, Oh my God, yeah. what do I do? Um, now I know what to do. I look at the dirt pro and I figure out what to do next. Mm-hmm. And then having these, you know, I don't know about you, but since the pandemic, I got, I had never really done dispersed or boondocking camping before, mm-hmm. you know, where you're, you're just an out of the campground. You're just in the middle of some Bureau of land management or national forest land. So you know, that's the other third tool as of the Dirt Pro, being able to see the map layer and be like, okay, I we've just crossed into whatever national forest. So now let's start looking for little side roads where we could pull off and explore and, and see if we want to stay there. So that's been a really fun new feature for me. And it's really changed the way I camp. Yeah. Um, which is, it's been really fun. I love that. Yeah. I love the commitment to the the main community and making the free tools and then having these 
additional tools for people like yourself that are looking for that kind of that next level. I, I love that that commitment where you you can bring it back if you think you're getting too focused on on pro or whatever i that's that's really nice nice way to think about it and to stay committed yeah yeah it's really important to us you also mentioned in there that you can book straight book campgrounds i'm curious how that developed of was that working with some of the the campground sites or did that kind of just develop over time of them reaching out, you reaching out and then figuring out some tech integration that that's super interesting feature to have. So I'm curious about how that, how that could come together. Yeah. And and it is, it's very complicated. And it's a little bit of everything you just said. So, you know, the, the biggest way it happens is we work, we partner with the kind of these campground conglomerates that have a lot of campgrounds under their umbrella. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we pull an API and we get their information and, and then you can, you know, book through that. Mm -hmm. That's one way. We also simply have campgrounds who come to our site. There's a place you can claim a campground, kind of like you can claim a business on Yelp. Mm -hmm. If the campground owners want to, or the campground managers, they can just claim it and enhance their listing, add more information, add pictures, or they can claim it and then turn on bookings. Oh. currently it's, it's under, it's a request to book situation where you have to request, I'd like to stay here on this day. Um, and mm -hmm. then the campground responds, but that'll be changing this year as well, where we'll, we'll start introducing Instabook where you can immediately book it right on the site. So that'll be an exciting mm -hmm. new part of the dirt as well. That's super cool. And, and we have everything from you know, these glamping sites, they'll come and claim, um, you know, someone who owns an Airstream that's parked in their backyard, they'll claim, we have, you know, they'll claim their listing on the dirt. And so we're getting a, just a huge variety of sorts of accommodations on the dirt. Um, we've, we have some cabins. It's, you know, it's, it's really interesting to see all the different ways people like to camp. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. As you're talking about all the the things that you've built, it, it's a lot and a lot of time and investment. I'm curious if there were, was a time where you were spending so much time on the, the dirt that you kind of realized like, oh, I, I need to get back to, you know, camping or having a little more balance or I'm curious what it's looked like to build something, but also you really do love camping. So making sure that you're getting time to do that and build a company. Yeah, that's that's a really great question. There was one year where it got a little bit, we'd always joke, we built this camping business and now we don't have time to camp. There, <laughs> there was a, a period of time where it was like that. But, you know, we we really like to camp in the fall and the spring, especially the fall. And that that's a slower time for the dirt anyway. So that's a good mm -hmm. time for us. So other than one really hectic period, I remember, we've always made time to go camping and I think it's really important for us to, you know, use the product, be a part of the community, be a part mm -hmm. of solving this problem. And plus, I mean, I, I love to camp. It's what recharges me. It, what, it makes me realize why I love what I do and why mm -hmm. I want to help other people camp more um, because it's such a peaceful, relaxing or not, if that's not what you're looking for. But yeah, um, for me, it's just a great way to recharge and reset and then come back on Monday and be ready. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Is there any part of the job right now that is kind of like oddly satisfying? It could even be kind of mundane, but you're just like when 
this happens, I'm just, you mentioned feeling re-energized by camping. So I'm thinking kind of at work, like, is there something where just like, oh, that is my favorite moment when this happens at the dirt? (laughs) Um, I think, you know, when we get good reviews come through on, in the app stores Mm -hmm. and when they're really positive and they've, they say how they've, they've been camping more, you know, when they really say what it is we were hoping to do in the first place, it's really, Mm -hmm. It's, it almost makes me tear up to yeah. know that, you know, I'm a part of that and our team's a part of that. It, it feels really good. So that's always super satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I love really the the thread I've, I've seen here is so much of you started with a really clear vision and a really clear problem and you've worked just so diligently to solve that and continue to solve it to the point where you're able to use it and it's, it's made your life better. It's gotten more people outdoors. It's made their camping experience better. It's, it's just such a neat journey. I'm really excited to see, to see how the dirt continues to develop. Oh, thank you so much. And it's, you know, it's not easy always to make those decisions because there's constant pressures to, you should add hiking, you should add kayaking, you mm-hmm. should do this, you should go to Mexico, you should add Canada. We, we get it constantly. And, you know, these are all things we think of and all things that could happen and may happen. But, you know, I'm always back to what is the problem we are trying to solve? And there are 80 to 100 million Americans camping. A lot of them have this problem. So let's focus on this problem. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But, you know, then the world's our oyster if we can solve this problem. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm on a more of a just a personal note since I'm a big tea lover, are you a tea drinker? Do you have a favorite tea that you'd be willing to share? (laughs) Well, since I lived in England for a long time, I do love a good, um, just like a PG tips with Mm. a little bit of sugar and a little bit of creamer. And Mm. I, it's like a little treat in the afternoon. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's great. I love that. Oh man. I I love so many different teas. I'm mostly like a rooibos herbal tea drinker with like fruity floral notes. So mm-hmm. I I love drinking Plum Deluxe teas and Smith tea here in Portland. And yeah, that well, there's so many good tea shops around in the Northwest. There so are. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, usually it's some sort of rooibos with some fruity elements that that I'm drinking. Mm, that sounds great. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to share before we kind of get to the, to our kind of last, last little segment? No, I mean, I think, you know, thanks for having me on. I'm really, you know, excited that we get to work with partners like you guys at Live Bar and all the other partners we work with really to help solve this problem. It's been, you know, it's really fun. I'm super excited for this summer. I think camping is, you know, Obviously, we've seen it in the past year, but I think it'll be continue to be the thing that people love to do this year. And um, mm-hmm. hopefully we can all make it easier for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we kind of it's funny you mentioned PG tips because we kind of the new section we're, we're ending with is uh, tips and dregs. So since the tea tips are kind of the sweetest part of the tea and the dregs are kind of the grains left at the bottom. I'm if you reflect just for both of us to kind of reflect on our last week, if if the week were a tea, what would be what would be the tips and what would be what would be the dregs? And we can let's start with dregs so we can end on we can end on tips. So I, I can start or you can start with uh, with dregs. 
Well, for me, it's allergies right now. They're really bad in Portland and I'm having a hard time not coughing all the time. So my earlobes itch, which I've never experienced. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I... I relate to that one. I, I get the back of my throat will itch and I'm just like, how do you itch? How do you itch the back of your throat? <laughs> <laughs> I would say my dregs, it's kind of related to my tips, but sometimes I get these energy bursts, which is good, but where I will try to start so many hobbies at once. Like I just started brewing kombucha. I planted a garden. I've started a pot. My podcast is fairly recent trying to do more hiking. I just like, I'll kind of restart all of them at once. And then like two weeks later, I'm like, shoot, I can't keep up with all of these hobbies. So I'm really hoping that it's not a true dregs and that I can keep up with some of these, like, you know, I'm like kombucha brew continuously, the garden, I just have to water it. So (laughs) I'm, I'm optimistic, but I'm a little bit like, oh, you might've started (laughs) too many things at once. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Tips. Hmm. In the last week? Yeah. Or, you know, it can be whenever. It's just something that, you know, brightened your brightened your life. Well, I would say two things. One is the new the new site and app launching with the new logo and the new branding. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. And then getting my first vaccination shot last weekend. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. It's very exciting. Yes. Yeah, that was that was my my top of the week. A couple like I think it was a couple of weeks ago I got my first vaccine. So it's great. I love hearing other people getting vaccinated. Oh, so it so was encouraging. Only to not to ball as the needle went into my arm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I know. It's 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 quite the experience. Well, so. what's your tip? I would say that it probably was planting my little garden um, this last week that we'll see how long it survives. But I just had a great time going to the plant store and I, I grew up with a big garden, but I always got so overwhelmed by how big it was. So I'm like, okay, you know, give me some tips on having a smaller garden and, you know, what I'm less likely to kill if I forget about it for a little while, because sometimes I'll get distracted. So I just had a great time. I got like a fabric planter and playing in the dirt and planting my plants and my dogs were in the yard zooming around. And, you know, it just was so nice to be in the sun and Mm -hmm. uh, enjoy the nice weather outside and feel, feel like a gardener. That sounds (laughs) incredible. That sounds great. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm so glad you were able to join us today, Sarah. It's been so fun to hear about your journey. As I mentioned, I'm so excited for to see what comes next. But yeah, just really appreciate your time and, and what you shared with us today. Well, thank you. I was, it's been so fun chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining today, strangers. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. The tea consumed on today's episode was a raspberry lemon rooibos, one of my all-time favorite teas from my favorite tea shop in the world in Edmonds, Washington, Treasures and Teas. I absolutely love this shop. If you're ever in Edmonds, Washington, you have to stop by. It's close by the water. It's beautiful. If you like today's episode, please like, subscribe, share, support us on Patreon, whatever you would like to do to help continue to see more content from Iroh's Corner. In the words of Uncle Iroh, While it is always best to believe in oneself, a little help from others can be a great blessing. Did you hear that? He's definitely drinking tea and thinking about five-star reviews. If you have any questions about today's episode, you can reach out on any of our social media accounts or at hello at iroscorner.com. See you next time, strangers. Strangers.